Welcome to the Quantum Connection, exploring health, science, and spirit with your host, Marina Rose, QDNA. From the smallest cellular structure to the broadest life experiences, every thought, every belief, and every action has the power to transform every aspect of our lives because reality at its core is made manifest through consciousness and its direct connection to the quantum field. It's time to remove the self-imposed boundaries created by your reality and discover practical, everyday tools to transform your life. Now, here is your host, Marina Rose, QDNA. Welcome to Quantum Connection Radio Show. I'm your host, Marina Rose, QDNA, and I want to thank you all for tuning in and listening. You have now entered the quantum field of the quantum connection, the intracellular holographic matrix where we make the impossible possible, utilizing qDNA, quantum DNA acceleration, which combines the cutting-edge science in epigenetics, neuroplasticity, DNA programming, and quantum field theory to assist you to achieve quantum growth in health, life, and business. During this show, we will explore health, science, and spirit to accelerate your path to extraordinary living with some of the world's most influential thought leaders sharing their insights on how to optimize your health and well-being. Today, our topic is epigenetics, the happiness genes, unlock the positive potential hidden in your DNA. And our guest is a fabulous man. He is a renaissance man, a pioneer, an inventor, an entrepreneur, and a PhD, Dr. James Beard, who is also such a beautiful religious and spiritual man. And Dr. Beard, I thank you so much for accepting my invitation to be on my show. And I would like to tell the audience a little bit about you. This is what I do know about you, is that you have more than 40 years of experience as a successful inventor and engineer. You pioneered the new science of ultrasonics, and while you were at it, you earned several patents. Good for you. As a successful entrepreneur, you founded Dynasonics Incorporated, a design manufacturing company of ultrasonic sensors and computers. You are a compassionate, full of heart, and full of soul. You took your understanding of mechanical engineering and turned it into bioengineering to delve into the fabric of the human condition with your religious and spiritual beliefs spearheading the research of the subject of happiness for more than 20 years. And during this time, you earned your PhD in natural health. For about eight years, you were chairman of Catholic Charities, where you were involved with many religious organizations, including nursing homes, churches, and charitable organizations. Currently, you are the chairman, excuse me, currently you're the chairman of the Chicago chapter of American Scientific Association, a national professional association whose members are scientists who believe in God. The organization's mission is to bring harmony to science and religion. Thank you. As a natural health advocate with an inventor's and scientist's curiosity, you studied genetics, common behaviors, and research behavioral epigenetics, 
which holds the promise of modifying behavior by changing gene expression. You are the author of six books on human behavior, The Happiness Plan, The Modern Christian's Happiness Plan, Mindful Meals Diet, Obesity Genes, Happiness Genes, and Behavioral Genes. You've won many awards and appeared on many major TV stations and dozens of radio shows. Today's show is about your book, The Happiness Genes, Unlock the Positive Potential Hidden in Your DNA, and this is what we're going to talk about. However, before we get started on that, is there anything else that you would like to share with the audience about yourself, please? Uh, no, Marina, I think you've done a wonderful job, probably better than I could do. Oh, well, thank you, but I'm sure there's some nice, wonderful, juicy bits that you could share about yourself. From person to person, um, heart well, to not heart. not really, except I have the curiosity of who we are, why we do what we do, and how can we change to change the quality of our life. Because right. after all, uh, basically, I've studied behavioral genetics and evolutionary psychology, which shows me that basically we are, as we were programmed, many thousands of years ago to operate in a certain way and behave in a certain way, which worked perfectly in those days, prehistoric days, because we were able to survive, and thank God we had those genes. But today we still have the same genes. Unfortunately, the environment has drastically changed. So while the genes worked well then, today they cause some problems, and that is with things that we do aggression, conflict, and so forth, as you see, as you read the news. Uh, But we are in control. We can make some changes to those genes. And so that's what the book is all about. Great. See, I told you I could get something else out of you, and I did. So this is wonderful. And this Uh is where we come in. We upgrade those genes. So fantastic. So I invited you as my guest because I feel that you're such a heart-centered scientist and you're telegraphing your passion out to the world unapologetically and factually with loving truth, and I absolutely love it. And I chose the subject of happiness for my show today because you do such a wonderful job distilling the information to your readers, and I personally feel that people need your book so that they can take an inventory of their lives regarding happiness. Because, personally, I think some people have forgotten what happiness is. So, why did you and your co-author, Laurie Nadell, write this book? What inspired you in particular, Dr. Beard, to... This is your third book on happiness. Okay, so now I want you to tell us. Third book on Uh, happiness. As you say, there's a number of books, and they've started back quite a few years ago. And the reason was... In the beginning, is is to find more happiness. So certainly, in my own life, <clears throat> I led a um, a childhood that was not of, out of a happy family in particular. So I didn't really know the feeling of comfort or, or a lot of happiness. So being an engineer and exploring this field, I was most interested in how one gets happy. And of course. I'm not unique since the beginning of man time, recorded word, everybody, that's the biggest subject is how to be happy. And even today, people are always saying, how can we be happy? 
And so that's a, that's a natural drive that we have to do. And after all the study and work, it turns out that there are, naturally in our DNA, there are certain genes in there which, um, if we activate, they can make us feel much better. I want to define, you know, a lot of meanings for happiness, What what is happiness to begin with. What finally comes down to after all the study is that happiness, the best answer I can come up with is really a feeling of satisfaction, of comfort, um, with sporadic feelings of joy. In other words, you can't be joyous all the time. You couldn't sustain that kind of an emotion. But if you're at peace and you're satisfied with your life and the people around you, and then periodically you have some jumps of joy, this is my definition of happiness. Mm. Wonderful answer. Thank you. And I, I, so almost you worked on happiness for you to understand what it was because of your childhood and the way you were raised. Right. Great. Love it. I wanted to discuss the quote in your book that was written 2,000 years ago by a Buddha, wanting is the source of suffering. Tell me your thoughts on this, and then we'll have a little chit-chat about it. Well, yeah, as, as uh, people who have studied Buddha well know that desire is the root of all suffering, according to Buddha. And there's a lot of truth in that, in that what we are desperate for what we want to have uh, is what we put our drive in, and at the end of the at the end of the day, it's something from outside ourselves. It doesn't come from inside; it comes from outside. And anything that comes from outside is always subject to change. And when the change comes, then the desire turns into pain. I wanted this, I couldn't get that, so now I feel I'm suffering because of it. So happiness has to come from the inside of us rather than from the outside. And to do a study on happiness, if you look at the ingredients of happiness, um, there's been a huge amount of research in this particular area, not just by myself but by many other people, is that part of happiness, you can break it into components, and 10% of it is life circumstances. In other words, where we work, what we do, the cars we want, the house we want, <clears throat> all of those things are life circumstances where we spend 90% of our efforts turn out to be only 10% of what makes us happy. So we're all spending most of our efforts working on something that's not going to make us happy. And those not things are the things that come from outside of us. And those are the things, I guess, that Buddha had in mind when he talked about desires. Correct. Yes. So it's interesting. It's um, very interesting. I, I do practice Buddhism, but in the Buddhism that I practice, it says... Earthly desires lead to enlightenment. And what I take from this is the earthly desires that you want makes you work on yourself to work through any issues that you have to get to the other side to do your human revolution to achieve what it is 
that you want to achieve by changing yourself. So there's a fundamental difference there. But I loved what you said about, you know, wanting from the outside. And I wanted to give you an example of this. And I'd love to, um, in my private practice, I do have permission to tell you about this person. And I'm not going to tell you where and who and anything, but in my Mm. private practice, um, mm-hmm. I have one client from the age of 16 to 26 for 10 years. She was non-functional depressive who barely left her house, which means she didn't work. She suffered from suicidal tendencies, OCD, anxiety, panic attacks, cried most of the day, which means she didn't go to work, which means she didn't get out of bed, along with a plethora of other uh, other issues. Her psychiatrist put her on the second deadliest antidepressant after all the other pharmaceuticals drugs failed. That's when Mm -hmm. she came to see me. She was on a myriad of other pharmaceutical drugs, and I've been seeing her since April this year. So far, she's gotten off the second deadliest antidepressant and off a a whole lot of other pharmaceutical drugs. And we've significantly reduced clonopin with her doctor. And after the clonopin, all we have to do is tackle Prozac, and then she's off all drugs altogether. And her psychiatrist said it cannot be done. She's now going out, panic attacks have stopped, anxiety has stopped, suicide tendencies have stopped, depression has stopped, and so many other issues that I hadn't mentioned before have all stopped. She's thinking of becoming a veterinarian. She's working full-time at an animal hospital to investigate if indeed if this is what she wants to do as a career. And that was part of her work with me. I said, you've got to go. You've got to go out there and go out into the world. So really immersing her back into the world. I bring this up. There's a point to give you the background story. And the point is... Her father is still unhappy that she's still in treatment, in holistic treatment, even though we've achieved these splendid things. Now, I asked, and and he's on her back continuously, and I asked her, what is it that will make your father happy? And she said, if he made close to $20,000 a week in one business and in an additional business to make uh, $10,000 a week. Okay? Mm -hmm. Now, know that... His businesses were making nowhere near that. And we tripled his his earnings in both businesses and sometimes exceeded the figures in one of his other businesses. And and last week I asked her, how's your dad doing? Guess what? She said, I think what would make him really happy is if we got this house that he wants. And I said, look, it can be done, but I'm putting my foot down. It is as clear as daylight. External things are not going to make your father happy. We proved that with his businesses earn, business er, earnings. Share with our audience your thoughts on this scenario regarding your book and bring in the four assumptions of Western civilization that you wrote in your book. And I know it was very long-winded, but it was the perfect example to get last week for our interview today. And you know how mystical that is. Mm-hmm. So go for it. I would uh, I certainly agree with uh, the money aspect of it, which is just one of the outside desires. Uh, there's been extensive surveys, say, through, uh, I think Harvard did one, that showed that money doesn't make you happy unless you're in poverty. If you're in a situation where you can't date yourself and you can't uh, make day-to-day, then, of course, you can't really be happy in those situations. So they found that the level was like about $40,000. So after you make 40000 whether you make millions after that, it makes no difference in your happiness. 
But that's just another example of getting things from the outside, uh, and that relies on outside of yourself. Now, as far as treating the person's concerned, it's wonderful what you've done for her, uh, and I would certainly agree. I know people <clears throat> who are in serious, who were in serious depression, and the best thing today is is a combination of they have to have some kind of med to begin with because otherwise they can't even think. They need some sort of basic control, but after a minimum amount, the best therapy is cognitive therapy that's proven to work as the best, so it's a combination of the two. The person has to get in some control of their mind first before they can do anything, and then to go into cognitive therapy, which is, is basically... Uh, understanding the right way and the wrong way, what makes sense and what doesn't make sense. So I think you've done a wonderful job with the person. I'm very happy that you turned out that way, uh, but we got to be able to help ourselves. And she now, is Some the... of the stuff is genetic. Depression is genetic. Um, it is probably about 40% genetic. Now, every habit that we have or condition that we have has a degree of what they call heritability. And that's that percentage which you have obtained from your parents and your parents before them. And the rest of it comes into lifestyles, like circumstances, um, something outside of yourself, and that's the epigenetic part. Mm-hmm. So genetic comes from inside Epigenetic comes from the outside. So to give you another example, what I mentioned before, that I had unhappy childhood, that's epigenetics. It's not genetics. It's something that happened in my childhood, which definitely affected my thoughts and my life. So we're between both genetics and epigenetics. The good news is that we can work with the epigenetics through epigenetic therapies such as mindfulness, meditation, cognitive therapy, and there are others, we can, in fact, change our genetics, which is not common. Most psychiatrists agree that genetics is a part of all our behavior running from 20 to 80%, but they say, well, that's a given. You can't do much about it. Well, I think that's absolutely incorrect. And it's been proven that you can. In fact, epigenetics is the most powerful new science to come along. They're using it now to treat all major diseases, and it's a department at all the major universities. So it has all kinds of potential. The behavior part of it is something that's relatively new, and that's what I'm trying to emphasize in the book. And that's why I gave you that background, because with I'm using epigenetics with her and taking Ooh. her up all the drugs, doing cognitive therapy with her holistically, because she was going to see a regular cognitive therapist that just allowed her to cry. And I was like, oh, my God, we've got to get you yeah. past this crying stuff. <laughs> but anyway, let's move right along. Let's talk about the two wonderful types of happiness that you discuss in your book, the intrinsic the extrinsic and the intrinsic. Let's break it down for our audience like you have in the oh, book. Okay, there are two basic types. There's all kinds of happiness, but I break them down into two types, basically, to make them simple to understand. One is common happiness, which is what most of us think makes us happy, and that's by getting stuff, getting new relationships, 
getting new physical things from outside, getting a new car, getting a raise in your job. And most people think this is what makes them happy. And it does for a very short period of time. But after that short period of time, we have a situation called hudonics, which means that you get used to it. And so you can't continue to be happy. You get used to what you had, and you go back to the level you had before you got the stuff. So that's basically common happiness. And that's just a cycle up and down, get stuff, get happy, then get back to where you are and and do it all over again. Um, The other kind of happiness is called, I call, uh, genetic happiness or natural happiness. And that's something that comes within you. I'll give you a couple of good examples in that case. Take, uh, for instance, the feeling of compassion for someone or doing a good deed. Every time we do that, a good deed, for instance, for someone, we feel happy. We feel good about it. Not only us, but every culture in the world can do this and have the same results every time, and every time you do it, you get the same results. It's, it endures forever, which proves that it's genetic. So we do have genetic factors called altruistic factors, and it's simply thinking about others, about their welfare. And so that's, that's the basis of natural happiness, it's, it's written in all the scriptures, love your neighbor has been in almost all scriptures of all religions since the beginning, and that's part of it. And even even animals do that, so it's part of our genes, and um, that's the natural happiness thing. So if you want to, you want to be happy, make somebody else happy. I agree. I agree. I see that in my private practice, and I'm sure you see it in your life. And if people, you know, journal in and look at their lives, when they make someone else happy, they feel happy, and then it just trickles out to the whole universe. Yeah. And it's here's, just uh, wonderful another, to see uh, witness. insight. If, <clears throat> if you feel, if you like to be compassionate, and you think that would help somebody else, and you, you know that eventually it's going to make you happy, um, there's something called uh, fake it till you make it. Mm-hmm. It's a phrase that's been around for a while. On the surface, it doesn't really sound too scientific, but the reality is it is. So if you want to feel compassionate but you don't feel compassionate, pretend that you feel compassionate, and in time, you will feel compassionate. And the way that works is the way the brain is, is the plasticity of the brain is set up so that whatever you think more commonly is easier for the brain to, to think that way. It actually it changes the architecture of the brain to allow you to think more commonly of something which is more frequently in your mind. So it does work. And for somebody who has a hard time feeling compassionate, <laughs> I recommend they tie that. I love it. Fake it till you make it with compassion. Yeah. Yeah, I love it. Yeah, just like we're faking the compassion till you make it with neuroplasticity and, as you said, changing the architecture of the brain. It's wonderful. 
Yeah. Let's address these three topics, happiness, DNA, and epigenetics. And I know you've written a whole book on it, but share with the audience the blueprint of happiness and how it is encoded in our DNA and tell the audience how to activate their happiness gene. Well, there are, they have identified several genes that are connected with happiness, but it's really a, a, a pool of genes. There's no one gene that does anything in any particular field. There's always associated genes. So they don't know exactly um, all the genes that are involved, and it has to do with people's circumstances. Your life circumstances change changes you epigenetically considerably. So if you look at it, the way I look at it is everything in that makes us what we are is either genetic or epigenetic. In other words, it either comes from our genes or it comes from the outside of us. So if we say that gen- genetics is a part of all of our habits, then there are other components. It's like Culture, for instance, is one, and behaviors is another. But if you look at those two other things, they're both epigenetic. So we consist of what comes from inside ourselves and what comes with outside of ourselves. And that's why we do what we do. But fortunately, we have some means, and they didn't know this many years ago, of changing uh, our genes. Actually, what they do is they don't eliminate the genes. You can't eliminate the genes, but what you do is you change their expression. In other words, you turn them on or off. And the way this happens is the genes are the blueprint of how we're built and how we work. But they don't do the work of building cells to make this happen. That particular work goes with the proteins. The proteins are associated with genes. Each gene has a certain number of proteins. And you can affect, and it's been scientifically proven, that you can affect the shape of the proteins so that the gene gets turned on or off or it gets modified. I'll give you an example. For instance, uh, the placebo effect, I'm sure most of you have heard of that, and just simply thinking that this pill is going to make you feel better or do something to your biology, it will, even though the pill is inert. Now, this is the mind-body connection. So the mind can do many things with the body. In fact, before the FDA approves a drug, it has to be proven that it's more effective than the placebo effect. So that's how important it is. The placebo effect works 30 to 40% if you believe it. And if the doctor telling you it's going to work, it can work 50 or 60%. So it's a very powerful uh, type of technique, and it's all epigenetic. Absolutely. I mean, they have some, you know, tests, tests that are double-binded, triple-binded, quadruple-binded tests to test the placebo effect. Absolutely. Yeah. Wonderful. Thank you for that. Um, 
There are studies on happiness that show that our genes are responsible for 50% of our personality trait and the rest is our environment, like you said, and cultural and beliefs and all of that and how people interact with their environment. Now, this is a question about America. Do you feel that people are happy being unhappy here? No. Uh, Actually, the uh, surveys on happiness which are run by many countries because, rightly so, they feel that they have a happy people, that people will be more productive and their gross national product would go up and the country would be more successful. And if you look at the list, the world map of happiness, which is generated by all the world organizations in jointly, you see that the United States is 23rd down on the list. I saw that. Yeah, why do, why do you think we're so low on the Denmark list? Or Sweden, which are up at number number one or two. Mm-hmm. So they're happier according to this. And how do they measure happiness? As I said before, it's a measure is, is of satisfaction and um, comfort that you feel okay, you feel at peace, you don't have any real problems, and every every once in a while you get some kind of a thrill from somewhere doing something for somebody or some other action. But we're down considerably, and then the question, element comes, and why is that? In my opinion, it has to do with uh, the fact that we're so oriented to getting stuff. We're mm-hmm. hyperactive to get things. Everybody around has got to have a bigger house and more of this and more of that. And I know, personally, we we got so much stuff in our house that we can't even hardly move around. And, and we try to give it to the kids, and they got so much stuff in their house that they can't. So it's, it's a major problem. We spend most of our time trying to get things which we think will make us happy, and they don't make us happy. In fact, they turn out, to, on the end, to make us unhappy. So well, I would have it- to agree with what you say. Yeah, and I'd love to get into a solution in regards to that. It's like what Dr. Um, Carolyn missed since, since World War II. We've become stuffologists because we believe gathering stuff is a show of intelligence. And yeah. I right. don't know of any other culture that has so much um, um, storage units that right. are rented you know, and, and people don't want to get rid of what's in their storage units. And you just go, but you don't even go there. Yeah, but it's in storage. I have to have it. But why? <laughs> yeah, right. But why? You know? You're right. Uh, That's where the biggest business going now is these storage units. Where you can it's unbelievable, right? <laughs> it really is. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, great. So do you think... Well, no, I think you've answered that, so forget about that. I was going to say, do you think we feel guilty in America about being happy? But you've kind of answered, no, we're busy stuffing. Well, not you didn't answer it, but, you know, Carolyn Miss said it, but you kind of said it too. We're busy acquiring stuff. Yeah. That That's why we're 23 on the list, where we should be very close to one because we have so much fortune here. Yeah. And well, that's right, and to... Exemplify that is the level of depression in the United States is approximately 20%. And I'm not just talking about minor depression, I'm talking about some chronic depression. So it's, it's an epidemic mm-hmm. in the U.S. Not to say we're the only country, 
but we're the largest <clears throat> and should be have the economic power and the um, scientists and the brains to know better, but apparently we don't. And we're so busy, so hyperactive, no one has any time to do anything except get things or do this or go there or whatever. Um, so we're hyperactive, and we got to a point we're spending all our time trying to get more stuff, and the result is we become more depressed. And that's a very sad situation because depressed people, their quality of life goes down. They certainly aren't happy. And uh, in my opinion, that's the major reason why we're 23rd down on the list. Right. What are your thoughts on why only a mere 3% of mainstream scientific communities devoted themselves to study the study consciousness and spirituality when we've had such incredible breakthroughs that have been scientifically documented in books like, you know, Gene and Eugene's by Dr. Dawson Church, The Biology of Beliefs, Bruce Lipton, The Field, The Intention Experiment, The Bond by Lynn McTaggart, Train Your Mind, Change Your Brain, Sharon Megley. There are just so many books, so many incredible breakthroughs to list, but yet only 3% is studying consciousness and spirituality. What do you think about that? Well, I think it's a shame to begin with, and because it's not, it's the kind of thing that people <clears throat> aren't knowledgeable, knowledgeable about, it's the kind of thing that most people don't have time for, because they're so busy getting stuff. Mm. Most of us are so busy being materialistic that we don't take time to do things like live in the moment and be here now, and if you can't do that, then you can't be conscious. Consciousness um, is something that comes only when you don't worry about the past or think of the future, and you live in your, in your present brain, your conscious brain. And that's the part of your brain. Your brain is basically divided into two parts, from a neurological standpoint, and one is <clears throat> your subconscious brain, which is, is the part of the brain that developed with their ancestors. And it's a brain that told them what to do, where to go, and how to do it. And it was critical, obviously, for survival. Uh, but in our time, they didn't have self-awareness at that time, so they weren't... Uh, aware of a conscious mind, that only came into effect somewhere around 10,000 years ago uh, with the agricultural revolution. And um, so they don't have a conscious mind. And they, you can only have a conscious mind when you live in the moment, when you're not thinking about the past because your unconscious mind is nothing more than a recorder. It has recorded everything that happened in your past and it keeps playing it back and forth so that most of us are living on auto-control, driven by these conscious thoughts. They don't think. They're told what to do with the voice in their head that bounces back and forth. To get into your conscious mind, if you're in your conscious mind, you turn off the past. You can't think about the past, and that's what they call living in the now or living in the presence. And how do you get there? Uh, the way to get, one way to get there is through meditation, 
Mm-hmm. Or mindfulness. In fact, that's the condition of that situation. So you eliminate the worries and you eliminate the fears, which are projections of the past, and you live in the conscious mind in the time. And your conscious mind is the mind that you should be in when you do altruistic works. And when you do altruistic works, you're happy. And so it all comes around to the same thing. You have to be in your conscious mind, and when you're a conscious mind, you can do the sort of things that make other people happy. Mm-hmm. You're on your unconscious mind, you're only thinking about yourself and getting stuff. Mm-hmm. You know what I would like to see, and I'm sure you've seen this in your practice, but I would, what I'd really like to see, and I love everything you've said, is for people to become conscious and to be living in the now without being without a disease or getting sick. Because in my private practice, that's all I see. That's when they decide to get in the now and they, they realize life is precious. But they never saw it before they got sick. And I would love it if, they, if people all over the world can be conscious and be mindful of their life before getting yeah. sick. Wouldn't you well, like course, to yeah. see that? I absolutely agree. That's... That's the major. That's the major thing that could change the world <clears throat> completely if people become more conscious. Mm-hmm. Dr. Beard, we're nearly out of time. I want to know if there's anything you'd like to leave our listeners regarding happiness. If there's anything. Well. Basically, the things I've talked about uh, before, but I strongly uh, recommend that people meditate and do mindfulness. And when you meditate, the mind can only think of one thing at a time. So when you meditate on something specific, a word, a breath, whatever you might use, you block thoughts, undesirable thoughts, from your mind, and you don't have that voice in your head telling you what to do, you've turned it off, and you can then at that time be peaceful. Now, anybody can meditate. It's a natural thing, and you can do it while you're walking. You can do it doing some other action, except, of course, not driving a car. But I I strongly recommend people learn, take the time to meditate. It doesn't take very long. It's five minutes a day and you work and you'll find that you like it, you'll continue to do it. Great. Thank you. Dr. Bird. thank you so much for coming on the Quantum Connection radio show. You are a gift to me and the universe and everyone in it. I love your heart and soul and that you care so much for humanity. Thank you for writing all your wonderful books. It was a pleasure and honor having you on the show. And I am really deeply grateful to have this slice of life with you and thrilled to have our show documented in our treasured archives for our future listeners and really touching their hearts and souls and getting them into health and meditation and mindfulness. Thank you so much. Pleasure was all mine. Thank you. Stay tuned, everyone. We'll be right back after messages from our sponsors with questions and answers. Thank you. Yeah. 
us on Facebook to keep up with what's empowering the world. Voice America Empowerment. Do you feel alone even when you're surrounded by others? Do you feel that there's sometimes nowhere to turn and nobody really understands? Remember, you are not alone. Every week, host April J. Ford, who has faced adversity as a constant in her life, helps you rise above life's challenges with your own blueprint meant to help you find out who you are. April's challenges have included childhood sexual abuse, becoming a widow and single parent at 32, and other such curveballs. She'll help you every Tuesday at 4 p.m. Pacific, 7 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Empowerment. Our world is shrinking. We get information across the planet as fast and as easily as across the street. Lately, it seems as if none of it is good. The world has become so addicted to negativity, fear, drama, and our kids are learning fast. Are you worried about your teen? Do you know where they are, who they're with, and what they're really up to? Power of Peace Radio tackles real issues that are changing the minds of the next generation. Get involved in the conversation on Monday evenings with Kit Cummings. Pop Radio is about interrupting and redirecting those who are on a dangerous course and bringing light into dark places with powerful topics and real stories. We bring hope to those who need it most because hope is the new dope. Power of Peace Radio, Mondays at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific Time on Voice America Empowerment. Find out what makes the most successful people tick. Keep listening to the Voice America Empowerment Channel. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com You're listening to Quantum Connection. Exploring health, science, and spirit with Marina Rose QDNA. To reach the program today, please call in to one 888 346-9141 That's 1-888-346-9141 You may also send an email to info at marinarosequdna.com Now, back to Quantum Connection Exploring Health, Science, and Spirit Hi everybody, welcome back to Quantum Connection Radio Show where we explore health science, and spirit to accelerate your path to extraordinary living. The telephone lines are open for you to call. I will answer your calls. I will answer your questions. You will see the number on your screen, toll-free, 1-888-346-9141, international, 001-480-553-5754. And again, you can email me at info at marinarosequdna.com. And that's exactly what I was doing. I was just going on my email. I got busted. Okay. So here we are. Quantum QDNA, quantum DNA acceleration is based on the four pillars of health, epigenetics, DNA programming, neuroplasticity, and quantum field theory. This is the way to change your DNA and instantly change your life. It is the way to unlock the emotional creative intelligence. It is the way to have that happiness gene totally activated. It's the way to take control of your life and recreate your a genetic destiny, whichever way you want it to go. And it's the way to retrain and reprogram your brain for success in all areas of your life. Okay? 
It's an ancient Vedic science meets quantum science to balance, heal, and transform. We are connected to everything, everyone, everywhere. Okay, you're part of the universe. There's no separation between you and the universe and your environment. This is an old Buddhist concept, and I know I tell you week in, week out. Okay, it is quantum physics. So, QDNA, quantum DNA acceleration, is about creating a lifestyle in all areas of your life that is under the one umbrella of quantum living in the quantum realm where we utilize the intracellular holographic matrix, what science calls the field, where we decode, reconstruct, reorganize, recode the mind and body for limitless manifestations and healing. And one of the ways to do this is with epigenetics, which is one of the four pillars of QDNA that Dr. Beard spoke to us at length about with his remarkable information from his book, Happiness Gene, and how behavioral epigenetic holds the promise for modifying behavior by changing the gene expression. And on a quick note, I'm in a constant place of awe and appreciation by the massive tidal wave of heart-centered scientists, researchers, and journalists that are uniting together and making such a difference, positive difference in people's lives. So just please keep going because it's 3%, then it's going to get 4, 5, 6, and it's becoming more and more and more. As we unite together, it just goes out, okay? Greg Braden said, when we form heart-centered beliefs within our bodies in the language of physics, we're creating the electrical magnetic expression of them as waves of electricity energy which aren't confined to our hearts or limited by by the physical barriers of our skin and bones so clearly we're speaking to the world within us each moment every day with a language that has no words just the belief waves from our heart and that is what dr beard and i were talking about really happiness to me is really happiness to me, comes from the heart. And when we're heart-centered like that, it just goes out, as Greg Braden said, just goes out in waves energetically. So strange. The other day I was talking to someone in regards to my office and my there's three offices that we have um, in Venice Beach. And both of my neighbors have a lot of problems with people and their front um, gardens. And a gentleman said to me, but don't you have any of those problems? And I go, actually, no. If anything, the minute I walk outside, people say, hi, how are you? What's going on? Am I being disrespectful? Am I being mindful? That's how I interact with my environment because my environment is actually giving that to me because I'm living that heart-centered place of continuously just living, breathing that heart-centered place. So when I go outside, my immediate environment is of pure love, okay? So if you want to change your life, you've got to, you've You've got to be the first person that changes. Then your environment changes. As you heard Dr. James Beard say, you can design and create the life that is heart-centered when you have the happiness and unlock that positive potential hidden in your DNA. 
So you can create it. We can totally change the gene expression in your genes. Science, you know, is perhaps the last place you'd think that you'd get beautiful happiness genes, but quantum physics is definitely paving the way. So would you like to know what it feels like to have your heart and every cell in your body downloaded with unconditional heart-centered love and activate that beautiful happiness gene so you can have health and joy and happiness in all areas of your life. And if you do want that download, just say yes, and I'll download it into you just like a computer program. It'll just go straight in. So here we go. I'm giving it to you now. Great. Okay. So it feels really good to me. It feels very light with a sense of spaciousness. Not sure how it feels for you guys out there, but hopefully you feel fabulous. So welcome to the quantum world of qDNA, quantum DNA acceleration. Um, we are with qDNA, quantum DNA acceleration, we're ushering the new renaissance and regeneration in the growing practice of mind, body, medicine, and holistic lifestyles. It's a paradigm shift in the health and medicine, like n- none, no different than the one that shook the world of physics so many years ago. We're using that latest cutting edge science and medicine. This is where we reprogram to remove all conflicts that you may have that hinder your health, wealth, happiness, success. And you have everything that you want with epigenetics. And epigenetics, as Dr. Beard said, is one of the hottest fields in science right now. It explores how genes behave with their environment and the environmental changes that the environment makes on the genes. Bruce Lipton is one of the pioneering scientists who has given scientists the everyday and the everyday person an understanding that your cell's true brain is in the magical membrane. Okay, Bruce Lipton had taught what he had been taught at university in the past about genes were that it controls your life. Well, that's not true. He found out that what he was taught, the biology that he was taught, was uh, regarding genetic determinism was fundamentally flawed. So from his heart-centered research, that led him to realize a science-based path that he could change his genetic destiny from victim to constructor to architect of his own destiny, exactly the same as Dr. Beard was talking about. And Dr. Beard is still continuing doing amazing, extraordinary research. And so... Two branches of science emerged from Dr. Lipton's work. First is the signal transduction focuses on the biochemical pathways by which cells respond to the environmental cues. Signal transductions, science reveals behavior of an organism is directly linked to its perception of the environment. In simple terms, our life is based on how we perceive it. Okay, the second area of science in epigenetics is the science of how environmental signals select, modify, and regulate gene activity. Again, Dr. Beard was talking about that, how we can switch genes on, we can switch genes off. Okay, this area of science shows us that our genes are constantly being recoded in response to our life experiences. And I just got an email, okay, from George in New York. 
And his question is, why is happiness so important? (laughs) Okay, George from New York, that's an interesting question. Well, I can only give you my perspective. And my perspective is is if a person is truly happy and they have joy, then the person is always able to see the glass half full instead of half empty. That's number one. And number two is if the person has true joy and happiness in their life, which is the intrinsic happiness, the natural happiness that Dr. Beard was talking to us about, then the gene expression in your cells are switched on and then they're expressed with expansion, which actually equals health. And that's something that I was talking about to Dr. Beard earlier, that I would love to see people live consciously in the now before they get sick because so many people become very conscious and very aware and they change their life path, but it's only when their backs are up against the wall and they're incredibly sick. And so, George, that's why happiness is really important, to keep your health so you live without dis-ease, which creates disease. Okay, so I hope that that helps you with that answer. And if you have specific issues that you would like assistance with, with then you can call me and we can do a session in person or over the phone. And for any others, if you need more structure... You can come to one of my workshops if you're in LA come, or coming to LA on October 19th with Malika Chopra. And it's the Quantum Intentions and Manifestations for Business Success Workshops. But that's still to do, do with happiness. It's still to do with creating what you want to create in your life, which does ultimately bring you happiness if you do work through your issues to get to the other side instead of expecting that magic pill. Because a workshop is to work through the things that you need to work through. Okay. Um, All right. So, we just talked about that. So, George, I'm hoping that that's good for you. All right. So, then what happens, again, is let's go, we're going back to regulating the genes. The area of science shows us that our genes are constantly being recoded in response to our life experiences. Again, the emphasis is on our perceptions affect our biology and our biology affects our life. His research, Dr. Lipton's, and also um, Dr. Lipton's research changed everything in science in medicine. His research exposed that genes and DNA do not control our biology. Instead, the DNA is controlled by signals from outside the cells, including the energetic messages emanating from our positive and negative messages. In other words, our beliefs. What a concept, right? Our beliefs actually And how we perceive things, which is our beliefs, is what's controlling the signals from outside of our cells and DNA, okay? Beliefs are set up or constructed in your life by you in all areas of your life. So, you determine how you want your life to be just by your belief systems and setting it up the way that you want it. Epigenetics acknowledges that changes in our environment or perceptions create up to 30,000 variations 
for each of our genes. And I guess, guess what? I think it's even more than 30,000 30, variations, but that's what science has got right now. So let's just stick with the science instead of the Marina Rose version. Okay. So science has got that 30,000 variations for our genes, perceptions can be created. This is why epigenetics is one of the four pillars for qDNA, quantum DNA acceleration. It is a very, very exciting time for all of humanity. Change your beliefs, instantly change your life. And I love it. And um, if you are in LA, on, I'm just going to let you know if you are, because we're re- we're coming to a close now, if you are in LA or coming to LA on October 19th, Malika Chopra and I are doing an event um, at the Fairmont Hotel, Quantum Intentions and Manifestations for Business Success Workshop. We'll also be doing a book signing for Malika's book in Living with Intent. Thank you so much for listening to Quantum Connection Radio Show. I love connecting with you all. Tune in next week for another phenomenal, influential thought leader that will rock your world from here to Timbuktu. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Love, Marina Rose, QDNA. Thanks. Thank you for enjoying Quantum Connection, exploring health, science, and spirit with Marina Rose QDNA. Please join us again for another edition of the program next Tuesday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Change your DNA, instantly change your life. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.